Shredding your sanity faster than a bolter shell shreds cultists. We are the thundering fire of rebellion. 665.66UHMA Kemrat Radio. Broadcasting live tonight from Bob's Basement Basket. Funny you should mention cultists, Cabo. As the glass eaters are back in the news. This time the deranged glass heads got into it with the Nutty Jays. You hate to see it. Looks like it's uh, time to up that body count. What do you say? Hell, at least it ain't raining anymore. It's just a little uh, hot and stuffy. At least it's a dry heat, man. Just as unstable as all that plasma I like so much, I am your host, Goblin King. Joined today by my co-host and our Thunder Warrior down under, the meticulously manicured Marky. Uh, Thunder Warrior from down under. I kind of like that. That's your new name, man. What it is, host. The great white haunter of the Frost Hollow, our very own polar bear, Chuckerfly. What's up, everyone? We write your spoons. And your dolphin jelly. <laughs> mm, well, they, they, need, they need a butter knife to spread it. <laughs> oh, fucking spread it. The pa- powered butter knife. You guys ever seen that meme with... Uh, <laughs> with this? We're, we're deep into episode 69 territory. Yeah, we, are, we are. Uh, Red, what, do, what do we call it? Purity seal from right here for the next 10 seconds. <laughs> the Riley Reed meme where she, she's like, oh, fucking spread it. And it's just like peanut butter on toast kind of thing or like butter on toast. <laughs> Have you seen it? Yeah, I know. I know. I know what, what what's a meme? About. I, there was, you ever seen that Mimi of <laughs> that Mimi that Mimi yeah. Mimi welcome to episode 72 of Under the Hive of Madness this is our part 2 on the Unification Wars just before we get jumped into it a little bit of corrections and clarifications Mark I gotta apologize to you Marky mentioned in our last episode that Mark I Thunder Power Armor was what the Thunder Warriors wore and that is entirely correct Kevin and I were wrong. However, it is still often just called power armor at that point in Imperium history. So it was, it was like a, a miscommunication. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. Uh, Mark One armor is the armor that yeah, you were correct. Oh, yeah. Mark yeah. One armor. Yep. It's just they didn't call it Mark One armor until like M35 when the Mechanicum decided that they needed to name all of the marks. Yeah. Then they went back and they backdated it. Kevin and I were like, um, actually, and we didn't have any right to um, actually. So then take, no. <laughs> take your glasses and throw them on the ground then. <laughs> Marky. Marky, you were right. This one, this glass of water is for you. Pour, pour it out to me. <laughs> no, I think I uh, saw it in like sixth edition book or something where they went through like all the Mark Power Armors yeah. and the Mark One. I think it's I in thought, the sixth edition rule book. Yeah, okay. It's it cool. might have been the sixth edition, uh, but it showed like all the Mark Power Armors mm-hmm. and the first one looked like a Thunder Warrior. So I was like, oh, maybe that's the Thunder Warrior armor. So, you are correct, sir. Yeah, apparently it was. They got their sun. <laughs> they got their sunglasses on. Yeah, yeah. Sun yeah, shades. Yeah. Their tops on their helmets. Yeah. We'll get a little bit more into it when we cover their war gear later on. Or if I what they call the hater blockers, something like that. <laughs> I wear my stunner shades Stunis. at night. Quick question before you keep going yeah. the ma- the map, and I know everybody can't see the map that you have pulled up, but uh, if you'd like to see the map that I have pulled up, you can join us on Patreon for three, six, or nine dollars a month. Plug. Any tier gets you into it. Shameless plug. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So, are the dark colors what's left of the water? Yes, that's what's left of the oceans, and that's during the unification the unification wars. wars. Yeah, those are actually endless pits of despair. <laughs> that was that's a, that's my favorite part of like weird star wars lore i know i realized ma- massive tangent 
But Star Wars is like 100% a big fan of like the endless pit of despair. They're all over their space stations and in their, like, the Death Star just has this giant pit, this walkway with no rail, giant pit. I'm like, where is OSHA in the Star Wars universe? I, the maintenance guy's like, fucking really? Like, he's like, I gotta mop this? I Fuck gotta you. Mop this. <laughs> Little mouse droid comes up and knocks him off. <laughs> this but, is the Empire. <laughs> then again, if it goes, I guess if it goes all the way through the Death Star, you fall to like the middle point and then you just kind of, you're stuck there. <laughs> Somebody has to come rescue you. <laughs> it's like a portal. Just keep, keep dropping. <laughs> you just keep going. <laughs> so you hit terminal velocity and just, you know, <laughs> shut the <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I got one more. Or like the bridge over on the Star Destroyers and shit, and all the command staff stands on the, like this bridge above yeah. the pits of people working in it, and then a torpedo hits it, and Darth Vader goes like flying into the pit <laughs> with all the tech officers, just breaks like five people and destroys a console. Like, put a fucking rail up, guys. It's not that hard. All right, Chuck, what were you trying to say about actual 40k? Fuck, I don't know. Um, well, and, you forgot. I got something. So there's still, there's still ice caps? There's still ice caps? Yes. Yeah, there's there's still ice caps. Kevin had some, like, physics explanation, which I guess kind of makes sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Apparently, because less radiation reaches the poles in general, and radiation being heat and warmth from the sun, poles on most planets have colder regions and potential ice on them. So what it really is, the Imperium, I'm going to put my tin hat on, the Imperium took white scar rattle cans, right? And they just hit the North and South Poles. They just painted it over. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's supposed to be ice here. Let's just paint it. I think the ice caps are greatly reduced and the oceans are greatly reduced. And by the end of the Horus Heresy, there are no oceans anymore. They've yeah, basically been gone. Yeah. vaporized or covered over by city. Thanks, and that's Horus. the thing. If you zoom in the horse heresy, it's when the horses rose up. The horse if, heresy. The horse. No. <laughs> that's when the what? light district <laughs> rises up. <laughs> what? <laughs> the whores on horse heresy. Dude. It's just, oh, we're, it's so weird. We're going to put that on, uh, on our high, on our planet, our hive planet. We're going to put a red light hive, the whole hive. The whole hive the whole is hive. a red light district. Yep. The whole hive. Wow. It's like so Vegas, you, but you know, you travel there, take a tunnel. Oh, like we're going be, to the red light hive. Ooh, I like that idea. Not not a hive, but I like the idea. I got you dinged my brain. Why not a hive? There's definitely a spire, a spire yeah. complex on one of the hives yeah. that's just Vegas. Nothing, I like that idea. It's nothing but meat roses and dolphin jelly. I was thinking like the other things it. in Vegas too, but okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. There's gambling too. That's yeah, right. Sure. That's right. Remember, remember how the entire city of Amsterdam and the entire city of Vegas aren't just red light districts. Anyway, okay. So I don't know if you can see Chuck and viewers on Patreon, but I zoomed in a little bit. That you can see the city is actually detailed out on this map. Yeah. Like you can see city blocks and stuff. It's all. So that's another thing to keep ocean. in mind. Yeah. That's all that's left of the Pacific Ocean. We'll get there. We'll get there. You know, it almost makes me happy that, well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it, it does or it doesn't, I, I, but that like our Spotify and like other podcast locations don't have like a comment section because they're probably like. Oh, they, they do. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess I guess I'm fucking old then. Cause I didn't, maybe maybe because one Spotify so, doesn't. Now that you when bring people, that up. Maybe people can leave comments and I do see them. Maybe one time we can do a thirst episode. Oh, well, I was just wondering how many times like people post like, dude, Mark needs to shut the fuck up about like 
sexual things already. Probably never. Like the jokes got old on episode four, probably even before that. And he keeps going, like it never ends. So no joke, we're actively monitoring us when we podcast. And then I do all of our primary editing. We don't have an editing staff. We're not that cool yet. We're not that big yet. Patreon for three, six or nine dollars. You can help us get there. But I listen to us at least two more times a week. And I swear by like the, th- the midway through the third listen through, I'm like, we are not nearly as funny or entertaining or insightful. Then I realize that it's because I'm I'm in it. I'm stuck in it. I'm not enjoying it as a consumer. I'm producing, like we're, we're uh, in it, we're producing it. So we see it differently, but uh, yeah, maybe, you know, you tell a lot of dick and fart jokes, maybe, you know, throw in like a ball joke every once in a while. Ball and gag joke. <laughs> you Change know, it up a little bit. you know, I'm not no, really just, a, a, just like a testicle joke. I'm not really a sack kind of guy. <laughs> not a, not a sack yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really a nut sack kind of guy, but I'll think you'll, you'll, there was a famous thunder warrior named testicles and he was from really? the gonadian hive you city. son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> they followed the dark god yeah i need i need one more uh, the dark the uh, testicles that the, the uh, dark god sacius <laughs> that was uh it's a minor nurgle offshoot of rash covered balls chlamydia chlamydian <laughs> star destroyer rash, rash covered Thigh ball region area. Wow. <laughs> wow. So back to that there dolphin jelly. So, well, okay. So now let's let's get to the actual episode. Oh, dolphin. Yeah. Je- Why do we keep bringing up I, dolphin I, I, it jelly? It wasn't me that I don't time. Understand, man. It wasn't me that time. Just like your cloacas. I see how it is. You it That's up. a big word. What does that mean? <laughs> Cloaca is the exterior sexual organ of animals that don't have exterior genitalia like dolphins what is it it's like the the like flaps over the genitalia on like lizards Sharks. and dolphins oh so it's Sharks. almost like that like a labia but for animals it right but in this case it goes over both the penis and the vagina oh okay so like snakes and shit so they both, have like that fat, so both yeah that fat yeah. flap yep wait does something it's come out of that flap, flap? yep okay like red There's red rocket stuff. It. <laughs> is, so does yes, does, man, man, red rocket stuff that totally paints Fallout in a completely different light. <laughs> I never thought about it. You go to the red rocket, and I was always like, oh yeah, you know, going to space. And now I'm like going to the red rocket. I'm like, oh yeah, the going to the big gas dick. station, the gas station named after dog dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. that's the hidden that's the hidden vault nobody talks about. <laughs> I'm just ruining all kinds of stuff for everybody. Here, all these vault people signed 69. up to hear, to, to, to hear about it, and we're yeah. on. Maybe I need to watch more History Channel or something. Is there like an external <laughs> vagina that comes out of the flap? No. Okay. The the cloaca is what covers both sides. It protects it basically. It so it's not like a blood worm where it like. <laughs> what the hell are you? <laughs> You're gonna buy Marky a subscription to Animal Planet or some shit. Get this man Encyclopedia Britannica's or something. I don't know. Shoot my organs out of my what is it? A palkia? What what the hell is it? Cloaca. Cloaca. All right, I gotta remember that. I'll it's forget. Like a, it, so that could so be that could a, be a name of one of the bars in our red lamp. The district. Great Cloaca. The Great Cloaca. Some species of fish. The female fish comes by and lays a bunch of eggs, and then the male fish like swims over it and just comes everywhere like in the ocean yes i have seen that 
that's a thing that fish do that that's what you would you were like they send their red worm out i'm like yeah they just they just shoot all of their internals out into the air oh my god it's like stymen remember when we brought up stymen when we were talking about plants oh damn dude that that's a that's a callback. That was an That's old a call episode. Back to the Catachan episode yeah. right there. It really wasn't that long ago, but it does feel like it was a while it d- ago. It does. All right. All right. All right. All right. So on to the second half of the techno barbarian states. Again, records from the age of strife and before are largely fragmentary and uncertain, and the information we're about to present might contain errors, contradictions, and misgivings or misunderstandings. But it's the best list of notable techno-barbarian and pre-unification states that existed on Old Earth during the unification. So last episode, as a quick refresher, we covered Achmidian Empire, which is in Southeast Asia, the Albia Empire, which is the British Isles, the Albion, which is also British Isles, probably just another name for it. Broatia. I'm pretty sure it's something else, though. It's Bosha. Yeah, Bosha which is, I can't remember where Bosha is now. Oh, Greece. It's right next to Bofa. Britannica, which is also the British Isles. The Caucasus Wastes, which is the Caucasus Peninsula. Europa, which is South Central Europe. Franc, which is France. Gyptus, which is Egypt. Himalaya, which is the Himalayan mountain region. High Brazil, which is Brazil. Germany, which is Germany. It's just Germany with a J. Mer- Mercia, which is North America. 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 It's not America. It's Mercia. <laughs> we think the official pronunciation is Mercia, but instead of saying Mercia, we've got America it. So it's Mercia. And then the Nord Afric Conclave, which was the northern portion of Africa. Caucasus Waste. Caucasus Waste. Yeah, that, that that's the area that I thought was one sea away. So the Caucasus, Caucasus Peninsula, that's a real place? Yes, that is where um, we talked about this last time. Why are you making me re- remember because it? Because my memory streets. is completely it's shit. Between, it's between the Caspian Sea and the Black Sea. Ah, uh, okay. It was that one. Yes, that's the Caucasus Peninsula. Gotcha. So that's like Turkey, Albania, oh. Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan, Turkey. It's that little cloaca that of land. That's yeah, this cloaca of land right here. <laughs> Jesus. Teach Marky a new word and listen to him misuse it. <laughs> it that that wouldn't so, be a uh oh damn it. So what what am I fuck is it what the oh I got an old callback. I think it's a war boy, but I got an old callback and I can't remember the fucking word you taught me. Archipelago? Yes. It's a little ar- <laughs> archipelago. But it's not. But it's not. Hawaii is an archipelago. Yes. All right. So the first group we're going to talk about are the Nordic, which is Scandinavia. This techno-barbarian state was located in the northern lands of Europa in what was once called Scandinavia. Despite being outnumbered seven to one and suffering several thousand casualties, the emperor's forces were triumphant against the priest king Maland Send and his horde of genetically altered warriors, witch-marked men, and zealots. The emperor led a few thousand of the newly created Thunder Warriors, so this was early in the unification, and a companion guard of 30 custodes with guardian spears in a final conflict. Called the Battle of Red Frost, it saw the custodes capture Malad Sen. The emperor executed Malad Sen and held his severed head aloft to the baying cheers of his Thunder Warriors. This is very, that first scene in um, 
Gladiator or not Gladiator. What's the what's the movie where the very first scene is they cut off the Scandinavian king's head and the Roman general holds it up and everybody cheers? It's totally that scene. Oh, okay. it was one of those okay. Gladiator era okay. movies because a bunch Gladiator. of them came out. It wasn't Gladiator. I don't think that happens in Gladiator. I think they give the dude like the opportunity to surrender and then they execute him, but they execute him kind of quietly. I don't know if I've seen it. Gladiator? With Kurt Russell? No, no, no. What, Kurt what, Russell? The movie you're talking about. Oh, the one I'm talking about? I, I think it was the one. It's Kurt Russell, isn't it? Yeah, Kurt, Kurt Russell's no. not Gladiator. Russell Crowe is. Russell Crowe. Sorry. Russell Crowe. Yeah, yeah, not Kurt Russell. Kurt, um, there are a bunch of Star movies Lord's that came dead, out. Right? Huh? Kurt Russell? Yeah, That's Star Lord's Kurt dead? Russell is Star Lord's dead. Yeah. Yes, good job. Yeah. The guy from the thing. Yeah, got it. Yeah. <laughs> the thing? Yeah. He's the he's one of the dudes in the thing. Well, he's the guy that survives. Uh, is it Dirty Did, Dancing? No. No, it's the no, that, ghost, right? Nope. That's nope. a different actor. It's a different actor, but ghost the, in that movie, that's Patrick Swayze. Oh, god yep. damn it. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking Roadhouse. Yeah, I was thinking Patrick Swayze. Roadhouse. Escape from New York, yeah. Escape from LA. It's Kurt Russell. Yeah. Big oh, trouble, really? Big trouble in Little yeah. China. Damn, dude, they yeah. all look the fucking same. Yeah, that the face I'm thinking of is all- because they had the same hair and everything back then. <laughs> Dude, my mom Mar- so bad. Marky was just like all white people look the same. It's what just it's not as racist as it sounds. It's not- Do I need to leave? <laughs> I- wow, I got some Caucasian in me, so it's okay. So my mom used to have this old like canvas painting of a a dude in a leather jacket with aviators on. Patrick Swayze? I used to think it was Patrick Swayze, but I don't think it was him. I don't think it was, so. Pr- it was probably Kurt Russell. Leather jacket and aviators? Yeah. Leather jacket, aviators, and he had like that feathered kind of hair. It was probably Kurt Russell. Or uh, what's his face? It was a Knight Rider. Knight Ri- I think it was Knight Rider. Oh. David Hasselhoff. It could have been Hasselhoff. She, she, she loved David Hasselhoff. Dude, she always that's, used to watch Baywatch. She used to watch Baywatch back in the day. Yeah, yeah, probably the Hoff. Yeah. I think so. All right. So next up, we have Oraok, which is Antarctica. Oraok was a city-state of old Earth located in and under a hollowed-out mountain on the ice-bound continent of Antarctica. They had stood through the anarchy and darkness of old night, never falling to the conflicts that consumed the rest of the planet. They believed that they were chosen, the chosen children of a blighted world, believing their faith in the old pantheon of gods would see them through and outlast the entire age of strife without any difficulties. And they, they did really, really well. However, when the emperor's eye finally turned toward them, he knew that diplomacy and softer negotiations would probably fail. Instead, he sent the 17th Legion, the then Imperial Heralds, as a show of force. The city was given a choice, kneel and accept the Imperial truth or be destroyed. In response, the Orok priest kings shot first and blew up the 17th Legion's delegation directly out of the sky, and the Imperial Heralds responded in minutes, dropping enough bombs to crack the mountain open. They then continued to shell the mountain until only the main chamber remained. After three solar hours, the entire surviving population of Orok huddled and cowed in fear as the 17th Legion surrounded them. The then iconoclasts of the Imperial Heralds, the merciless elites known as the Ashen Circle, descended on the survivors, burying them in smashed rock and red fire. Lastly, when they were all dead, the Legion set the geothermal power plants beneath the ruins to critical, flooding the city-state's ruins with lava. A message of death was carried across the rest of ancient Terra. Faith in false gods brings only ruin and ashes. 
By the way, the Imperial Heralds are currently known as the Word Bearers. Imagine that. Bunch of bitches. Hey. Sorry. So, one of my fucking legions, man. <laughs> <laughs> they bent the knee a little too hard. They were forced to. Bent, well, none of them survived. But the, the Word Bearers have always been like this. The Word Bearers were always sent on. This is one of the first times they were used uh, unofficially, officially. They were always sent to, and we'll talk about more of this when we get to the Primarchs and the Great Crusade, but they were sent to deal with these pockets of like high faith culture, and they were told to completely wipe them out. And that sort of established, and again, you know, the reason that we're talking about a lot of this early stuff and kind of setting it up is this is that foundation. This is that first step on that zealotry path that the word bearers there. Burn out all false gods. Well, if you're telling us to burn out all false gods, you must be the real god. Uh, I see. Yeah. So the Pan-Pacific Empire, East Asia, Australia, and the Pacific Islands. This techno-barbarian state was once composed of the Pacific Islands and what had once been East Asia. This included the Japanese islands and Australia, and it flourished during the Age of Strife. Its most notable and last ruler was the half-mad, half-genius Nartham Doom, known as the tyrannical ruler of Terra during the Age of Strife. So he was the like of the tyrants of the techno barbarian. He was the top states. He was the worst tyrant. He was the most. He won the trophy. Originally, this area was actually a collection of smaller tribes who often had to unify in order to fight off the Indonesian bloc. But eventually, they were all united by a warlord named Kazar. Kazar waged a war against the Brotherhood of the Singularitarians a sect that strove for the creation of a general artificial intelligence that could bring about a technological singularity to save humanity. While it was later theorized by the Mechanicum that this was all based on Kazar's superstition and the part of the Pan-Pacificers, they actually, the Pan-Pacificers, had deeper knowledge that the Brotherhood was consorting with demonic forces of the warp toward their goal. So the warp was kind of using this cult ah. to make an artificial intelligence that was a demon. Kazar's forces eventually destroyed the cult, although one of its members, Moravec, escaped to Mars. More on him probably later. Later, after its unification, possibly in M27, the Pan-Pacific Empire was conquered and ruled by the Unspeakable King. As we talked about last episode, Albia defeated the Unspeakable King during one of its two major power conflicts, allowing Narthen Doom to seize the Empire. Doom knew of the horrors of the warp and saw the Age of Strife and humanity's loss of knowledge as being a possible good thing. He kind of thought that, like, you know, the warp is coming up and we had all this technological insight and all this scholarly pursuits, and the fact that we've lost all of that's good because then the warp can't take hold. Throughout Doom's reign, he turned the Pan-Pacific Empire into one of the most powerful techno-barbarian states, but not long after this, the Pan-Pacific Empire came into conflict with the Emperor. They were eventually defeated through a series of battles, with their forces eventually being pushed back to the city of Von Noir. No, Von Nori, excuse me. Here, Doom was captured and executed at the urging of Constance Valdor. However, many of his lieutenants were imprisoned as a lot of the guys we talked about last time, and Kangabam Maru. Later, during the Great Crusade, in 799.m30, Varnori 
Still resentful over the loss of the Pan-Pacific Empire, revolted against the Imperium during what would become known as the Venori Resurgence. This was very short-lived, and the city at that point was wiped from the face of Terra for its treason. After the Age of Strife, by about five or six hundred years, this hive city goes, fuck you, Emperor. We used to be the Pan-Pacific Empire, and the Emperor was like, that's cute. Flick. <laughs> Just no <laughs> yep. more hive city. No more hive city. So I have this game called Hate. It was an old okay. Kickstarter, and it really, really feels like... Like this, like, like the like techno the barbarian age. Yeah, the unification wars. There's a lot of mutants. It's tribes fighting one another. I'm wondering, maybe, try and do something that, like, that'd be kind of cool. Someone lost in the warp, gets thrown into like the unification wars, and they have to fight like a bunch of techno barbarians. I don't know, just something, something that crossed my mind because it's very, very techno barbarian. If you the guys, if it, you guys yeah. don't, yeah, if you guys don't know about hate, look it up. It's very, it looks. Very, very similar to this. And it's, it's essentially like a tabletop mini. It's like risk. A, it's a skirmish game, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like a risk skirmish game. Oh, it's more like risk. No, okay. no, it's a it's a tabletop game. It's like Mordenheim. But, but it's but it's not like kill team. It's like risk. No, it, it is like kill team, but there's like it's okay. it, I guess the uh campaign style is like risk. So you take over an area like you I haven't I haven't opened I haven't played the game. I just bought it for the minis cuz they look sick as fuck, but like you go through a campaign like Risk so you take over areas with your tribe and there's like skirmish battles that you fight one another. I think it's like maybe 15 minis versus 15 minis or something like that. Uh but you play on like a small like I don't know 30 by 24 or I want to say a square like grid-based game. Got you. Yeah, it just it just really really feels like it parallels this whole techno barbarian thing. It's like we got a little bit of technology, but I live in a grass hut. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Ryan's pulling it up. If you, uh, you're a patron, you can see what I'm talking about. Well, that totally looks techno-barbarian-ish. Yeah. That's cool. But again, it's a it's a small, like, you know, skirmish game. Love, love the style. Love the art. Awesome. It'd be interesting to do it, you know, sit down and use the 40K rules to figure out how to do techno barbarian states yeah yeah obviously you'd be restricted to just well i mean i guess you wouldn't really be restricted to armies you would be playing tau but obviously you would just pick a name like you would say these are my you know yeah well these are the ones we did the pit this is the pan pacific empire you probably wouldn't use the tau you'd use probably like the voton or whatever yeah use use that rule set but kit bash everything up from like different human models and that'd be dope yeah just, just something cool. crossed my mind. I like it. All right. So next up is the Scandinavian, the Scandians, the Skanktians, the Scandians. Scandians. <laughs> Scandians. These raiders plagued most of the regions of Europa where they collected resources through plunder. They refused to accept unification under the emperor and were eventually hunted down and exterminated. These are techno Viking barbarians, essentially. The Urals and the Terawatt clan of the Ural Mountains. This small techno-barbarian state was located in the territories surrounding the Ural Mountains in Europa. It's known because beneath Mount Narodina was the greatest forge of the Urals. It was here that Primarch Fulgrim of the Emperor's Children and Ferris Manus of the Iron Hands first met. But they meet after they're discovered. Yes. This is, they, they, meet, they do not meet during the Unification yeah, yeah, Wars. This yeah, is, yeah, yeah, this is... Before the heresy, after they were discovered in the Great Crusade. So this is... When they were friends and held hands and skipped and made weapons for each other. 
When did when when did all the names go back to like ancient names? Like like we're not really sure. So essentially, there's all of this history that's lost. Yeah, between M15 and M25 was the great the expansion height. Yeah, it was the great expansion. The height of like everything from N25 to like M28, M27, M28 was when all of the the Age of Strife stuff happened before the unification wars. Yeah. So by the time of like M27, M28, all of the old earth names are what's being used. And by the unification wars, we even stop saying old earth and we start saying Terra. Yeah. Okay. So I just, I, I just, that's, that's, that's an interesting thing with, cause there's definitely a lot of, a lot of these are just like, old names. It's like, why, yeah. Why did the human race at some point start using old names again? I think part of it is when you're establishing your own cosmology and you're built from a creative writing standpoint, when you're establishing your own cosmology and you're using an existing foundation, an existing base, like you're using earth, essentially, you want to establish that your stuff is different by changing stuff enough slightly. Yeah. That it conjures in your head. This is different without changing it so much that it's unrecognizable. You want to do a little bit of a change rather than so, a huge change. So saying techno barbarian and calling it Europa helps you visualize they got technology, but they're in loincloths. Yeah. Like, yeah, like they probably don't call chlamydia chlamydia anymore. It's like chlamydia or something. They just, they just call it the itch. Call it the clam. <laughs> I'm not sure how that factors in but yes marky <laughs> well no so it, fa it, fa it. it factors it that factors in because we have looked up those of you that uh have watched the streams for blood bowl you all know rugen dugan plays nurgle i don't know where this is going a <laughs> lot of his names <laughs> rugen's got the clap and he's giving it to you <laughs> yes he has a lot of that, that is true he has a lot of like old disease names that's cool We've looked up, like, tried to look up older names of, like, things that we know, but, like, look up for yeah. the medieval name of it. So, you know, it gives it a dirtier feel, I guess. Did he, name, did he name anything consumption? I don't think so. Consumption's my fair, the, the, the old word for tuberculosis, because it, like, it's a wasting disease, so it seems to be consuming your body, so they would call it consumption. Really? No, but I think, yep. I think he named one uh, blue something. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. That's it. We don't know. We don't the, need to say yeah, it. It's on the tip All right, of my cool. tongue. So the next techno barbarian state we're gonna talk about. No, no, no. Like Lego my ego. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> we can we make it two or three episodes without saying that? I'm just wondering. Yeah, I didn't bring it up. <laughs> I I'm just saying. I was just talking about the color blue, like royal blue. So next up we have Uratu, which is Asia Minor. The kingdom of Uratu was the last techno-barbarian state to fall to the emperor's forces. Its conquest marked the end of the major military operations of the Unification War and the birth of the Imperium of Man. This is where the final battle on Mount Ararat took place, the battle where the Thunder Warriors were called by the Custodes and the First Legion. You guys will remember we brought that up in a little bit more detail last episode. So quick question real quick. Yep. Yeah, I don't know how you pronounce it. Urata. So is, is that your Artu is the name of the kingdom and Mount Arata is the name of the mountain. Okay, so is that an actually is that an actually an old an old name or is that a made up name? Aratu for Asian Minor. I think that might be made up. Okay. But 
But Mount Ararat is a real mountain. It's just underwater. In 21st century world, it's underwater somewhere. I don't remember where it's underwater, but it's not currently yeah. above water. Or part of it is. Now, those of you who can see that photo, that guy is literally holding an orc chain axe. Yep. Got to. Good old digger. Probably not. Probably not an orc chain axe. Probably just a regular normal chain axe yeah. of the non-chaos Human sort. chain axe. I mean, I think, yeah, no thanks. But it's definitely big. That's a big chopper. <laughs> it, my it looks a little too, it looks a little too put together to be an orc chain axe. <laughs> like I normally don't say that, but say, I mean, orc technology, techno-barbarian technology and orc technology is pretty close, but techno-barbarian technology does look a little bit more refined. <laughs> what, what was that one relic? It was like the chain wapa ed ed, ed chopper something like that do you remember that ryan it was a relic big chopper for chopper for orcs ed something's ed, ed chopper wapa something along those lines but <laughs> i always thought up. it was hilarious it was one of those funny funny apparently there's a mumber a mumble rapper named chopper ed wapa's kill chopper there you go ed wapa's kill chopper that's right like a like a candy. What are those whoppers? Oh, it's a yeah, burger. Whoppers. The burger? Oh, yeah, <laughs> it is a burger. Holy shit! No, 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 no. There's whopper. There's a. Uh, there's whoppers. Yeah, they're know. like yeah, um, they're like yeah. milk duds. Yeah, right. They're not. Yeah, whoppers. Whoppers. Yeah. Whoopers. Whoppers. 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 Yeah. Right there. There's, whoppers. There's also a burger. The original malted milk ball. <laughs> malted milk ball. Gotta love that. I don't See, think we got we got balls in a couple of times this episode. I don't, I don't think a barbarian would know what those are. Whoppers or uh, whoppers of the Burger King kind or no, the, the Burger King or kind. The, I think they would know, but they call them like rat burgers or the malt ball kind. I'm pretty sure there's minor tribes at this point. Taco Bell. Well, I'm sorry, <laughs> Tacos Bilios, and then Wendestica and um, McDowell's. McDonica. There's there's all of these minor tribes that <laughs> warring on Twitter on, on the continent of Twitter. Yeah. Jackius in, in inside cube, something like that. <laughs> Jackius in Cubicus yeah. in Cubicai. I'm down for that one. Uh, <laughs> and then there's the one that nobody understands why it still exists, uh, why it exists at all. Delios Taquitos, <laughs> home of the dollar. Soft, soft talkius. <laughs> I'm sorry. One imperial credit. One imperial Two, credit. No imperial credits didn't exist yet. Dollars no. is probably fine. This is techno barbarian age. Come on. Oh, you think they have dollars? Nah. I mean, they, they're probably yeah, the, the hollas. Thief, thief, thief. Yeah. Probably thief. Because look, I mean, he's got probably gold. He's got uh, skeletons on him, so. It's probably honestly, it'd probably be precious metal. So you, it would be currency. So if it at this point, if it was, if it were teeth and skulls, though, oh no, that guy essentially has uh like a fat chain. Yeah, like he has a he has like a spinner chain on. Essentially, he's showing off as well. His bling, yeah. I bet you it was lost technology. I bet you that's what their currency was based on. Hmm. Yeah, like Golden if you could stuff. find an old computer that still worked, that would be fucking bucks, bucks. But if you could find like a handful of RAM chips, which could be made to work, you know. Like, uh, it'd be interesting. Like, does it run Doom? It would be Barter Town. Yeah. yeah. Bottle caps. That's what they traded Marquis. Bottle caps. There Come on, go. man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, next up, we have Ursh, which is Central Asia and Russia. 
This techno-barbarian state was located on the steps of what had once been Russia and Central Asia, and it was the most powerful and largest techno-barbarian state the emperor would face during the Unification Wars. While Ursh was strong, it was not as technologically advanced as some of the others. In fact, the Chronicles of Ursh, which we talked about last episode, cited that the main reason for the Ursh's conquest of Nord Afric was the acquisition of technological assets. So the whole reason that they went to war with North Africa was just to steal North Africa's technology. That was it. That's brutal. By the time the Unification Wars, Ursh was ruled by a despot and warlord named Caligon, a cruel tyrant that controlled vast armies and was clad in a distinctive suit of artificer armor called the Armor of Pearl. By the time of the Horus Heresy, this suit of armor was on display in the atrium of the Eternity Gate of the Imperial Palace. So Artificer Armor is highly customized power armor often used by veteran space marines. In this case, the Armor of Pearl is an early, non-environmentally sealed suit of proto-space marine armor. It's kind of like a precursor or on par with Mark I armor, except the legs were also powered. Oh, nice. We'll get into the fact that um, the legs of the Mark I armor weren't powered in a bit. Didn't need to be with the thunder. Did not need to be. Other high positions in the government of Ursh included the warlords Lertoius, Shang Kal, and Kuala Odon. Kalagon's infamous exploits were documented in the Chronicles of Ursh, a work that is considered by imperial scholars to not only be a classical work of human literature, but one of the better sources of pre-unification historical accounts. I would guess, and we've we've mentioned this guy before, you'll remember him, Herodotus, Marky. I would imagine that the uh, Chronicles yes. of Ursh are kind of like reading Herodotus. You're getting a lot more bullshit editorializing and, and uh, myth than you're getting actual history. Spe- speaking of that, I just watched 300. You didn't have a lot. With uh, ah. with my daughter, yeah, there she like it. Yeah, she thought it was dope. I think I talked about it, but uh, the whole slow mo scene where Leonidas comes out and is like, just murders like fifty people. Yeah, she like looked back at me and I was like, fucking badass, right? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the chronicles of Ursh also mention primordial gods and their influence on kalagon and the ursh people as a whole as well as detailing kalagon's sorcerous powers powers that provided a good chunk of the punch in ursh's military might you notice earlier that i said they didn't have a lot of technology that doesn't mean that they were shit at fighting they were really good at fighting it's likely that these primordial gods were the chaos gods and in some cases one could consider that the ruinous powers may have been the true rulers of ursh They simply used Kalagon as a puppet, and when their defeat was near at hand, they discarded him before the emperor. Ursh's armies were mostly unaugmented humans, but Kalagon employed many powerful psychers within his army who unleashed warp powers on their enemies. So this was the heavy warp-using force. You think this would make a good TV show? Unification Wars? I think it would. This would make, I think, more than the, because a lot of people always say we'll start with the Horus Heresy. The Unification Wars would make an interesting Game of Thrones style TV show. It'd be almost like, uh, what is like Badlands? Yeah. It'd be the Emperor on his path. Yeah, right. I think you would have very similar show set up to like Game of Thrones where there's all these different competing powers. The art style over it, I'm not going to use the big word because I can't pronounce it apparently, over the whole thing would be Mad Max. Yeah, right. Right. 
except for the emperor and his forces. And in that case, you would have these like well-oiled, like well-defined soldiers. No V8s, unfortunately. I don't know. I mean, there's enough... The, the great thing about a lot of shit, like the Unification Wars, like if you wanted to tell a story or you wanted to make a show during it, there's a lot of detail, but there's not all of the detail. So you could totally decide, oh yeah, they're gearheads and there's V8 cars or nuclear, you know, whatever oh, you, you wanted to you call. To, you, yeah, V8 you could totally have a lot, machines. a lot of crazy shit. Like Ryan's saying, you'd have your V8 ramshackle orc <laughs> wagon barreling yep. down in your- With your Ed Wapa kill chopper. You had Wapa kill chopper, but it's humans. But but then you got a dude that <laughs> comes out you're, you're in like digger Ed Wapa kill chopper, like shiny chrome armor that's power armor, and like wing laced into to people. And it's like did, what the hell uh, just happened? Did the the emperor yeah. have his uh, his sword and shield and armor during the unification it, wars? It, we'll get more into that when we talk about the armor and the primarchs but yeah the uh, the emperor not the armor the emperor and the primarchs but yes the emperor was constructing his own power armor and all of that stuff during this entire era uh when we talk about the thunder warriors in detail towards the end of the episode we'll talk about their war gear but that's a very important thing to remember a lot of the techno barbarians had power armor yep. so it would very much be like mixing a uh, fallout Add Max and Fallout together. Yeah. Yeah. Fallout's a really good, probably analog to it, mm. realistically. Um, oh, that could I mean, there be a would dope be, show. Yeah. I could see it. Yeah. I could see it more than I could see Horus Heresy. Like, yeah. honestly, the Horus Heresy just. Don't do all the Horus Heresy. It's going to be the key moments. Yeah. I think just don't so, even do it. They will. Yeah. Right. What follows is a list of the more famous troops and units of the Ursh. First off, we have the Roma, highly skilled and organized mercenary pilots. This kind of gets to that there was technology. You know, we keep calling them techno barbarians, but there is technology. It was said that the best of the Roma never touched the ground. They were known for their pinpoint aerial attacks. Next is the Red Engines, masters of the siege, able to raise whole fortresses and hive cities to the ground. They fell under the command of Shang Kal. Then we have the Toplove Lancers. These Urshan warriors trained in close combat actions and were seen as ruthless berserkers. This made them a model for the tactics that the later World Eaters Legion would employ. They also fell under the command of Shang Kal. And the World Eaters would have been, not the Dusk Raiders, uh, Warhounds. The Emperor's Warhounds. Yeah, the Warhounds. Then there was the Honor Rock Critics, the personal counselors of Shang Kal. This name means interpreters of dreams in low gothic. They were likely warp sorcerers. Lastly, we have the Wraith Singers. This is a specialized Urshan unit, and it was comprised of sorcerers who bent the power of the warp to their will. They used magic and spells to bend both the environment to their advantage and to kill from afar. So very, very nice. much the Urshan forces used the, the only Spikers. way that they stood up was because they had so many psychers. Dirty fucking, witches. Fucking spell chuckers. That's right, man. Dirty, dirty. I always witches. thought that was funny in the WoW movie that like nobody liked. I really liked the WoW movie, but I, I've never played WoW. But that Margie was the only one. When he called that guy when when Ragnar called that guy <laughs> when Ragnar Lothbrook. <laughs> yeah, when Ragnar Lothbrook called that guy a, a spell chucker, I was like, uh, uh right. that's good. <laughs> you seen the WoW movie? 
Uh, do you no. play? Do you play WoW? I played Warcraft, not World of Warcraft. Oh, you should watch the WoW movie. It was pretty good. Oh, okay. Uh, guilty, if you remember, guilty pleasure. If you remember a lot of your Warcraft lore, you're going to be upset because no, they change shit. They change shit to make yeah, a movie. Yeah, That's yeah. not the problem I had with the movie. What was your problem? Honestly, if, if 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 you can keep it short, he didn't he didn't like the, that the C- female orc was so sexy. I mean, the CGI she was not bad. Not the CGI was one of those things where they definitely put in like 75% of the effort and then just kind of gave up. And it's, it's probably they ran out of money or they ran out of time. And I get that that happens, but it's really one of those things. There's CGI scenes in that movie where I'm like, if you guys had spent 10 more minutes or well, I thought it was 10 more hours. I would honestly also have to rewatch it. When I saw that movie, I was still going to the movies with like groups of people and I was making films at the time. And when you watch a little more critical films yeah. with people who make films a lot, you're you're very hypercritical of everything. Yeah. I mean I'm not nearly that critical anymore. I love Army of the Dead, and Army of the Dead is not critically a good movie, <laughs> yeah. but it's fun as fuck, so I don't yeah. care. I'm a very stupid movie type of guy. Yeah. I think everybody knows. I mean, I think I'm just plain stupid. That's besides the point. But I really like the it's part like, where like when they talk about orcs mating, how they like break every bone in your body. I thought I was like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little rough. The thing that I find interesting with the way that the Ursh are described is, and we had gotten into a conversation really, really, really early on in our community about this. I think, um, one of the other DMS, uh, foreshadowing and I had been talking about it at one point in dungeons and dragons, when you have a high level or, or in role playing games, but we'll use Pathfinder D and D third edition Pathfinder as an example, as a benchmark in a game like Pathfinder, where you've got like a level 15 wizard or a level 15 sorcerer, you really start to have a walking nuclear bomb. Yep. And some people understand what you mean when you say that. And some people will fight you that you're wrong on that. Going back to a Pathfinder style, you think about your core army as being made up of, even if they're Thunder Warriors, your core army is being made up of probably like level five to level 10 full armored paladins or something like that. That would probably be Thunder Warrior, right? If we were going to like equivalent it out. And then you've got the other side, which has a bunch of level five fighters with some feats. But for every 10 level five fighters, there's a level 15 to level 20 wizard or sorcerer that changes the dynamic of the battle so much because those sorcerers and wizards as the chronicles of ursh say and as and as the imperial chronicles say you know they were able to basically like you're shooting at range and all of a sudden their army is behind you because they teleported half their army or you know a fireball a maximized fireball with all of the meta magic feats applied to it goes off in the middle of your front line and like half of your front line is just gone. Like that's a devastating amount. It's not necessarily a nuclear bomb going off, but it's the devastation of a nuclear weapon on a battlefield. Yeah, it's 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 something that turns the tide for you. What well, yeah. what would the emperor be considered? Like a level 20 like whatever you max meta, out. Meta out? Did you get super into D&D 3.5 right before Pathfinder happened? Negative. So D&D 3.5 introduced a bunch of books. Unearthed Arcana was one of them. I know that they've got new versions of all this stuff, but that was when a lot of that stuff was kind of first introduced. And one of them was 
fuck, I can't remember the name of the book now, but it was basically like the source book for demigods. So after oh. level 20, you have, okay, so at level 20, there's the epic level handbook and the epic level handbook gets you from level 20 to level 31. No, yeah, le level 20 to level 30. So there's another 10 levels of epic levels. And then at that point, you can start to get deity rating, which is a DR. So a, a level 30 epic character in, you know, D&D 3.5, which D&D only went to level 20 or only goes to level 20. So just imagine another 30 levels on top of that. Then you start getting your deity ranks. I would imagine that the emperor would probably be like a level 15 to level 20 deity rank. So he's a 30 level character and then he has 20 levels of deity on top of it. Damn. Okay. That would be where I would probably put him, at least the way he's described. Yeah, right, he's, right. He's described as, depending on what you read, the most powerful psyker in the universe. Or the most powerful human psyker. At least that. <laughs> and why is he dead? He's not. Might as well be. He, yeah. He, maybe. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll have other podcasts, but there's, there's plenty of lore. Oh, oh we've actually we've actually talked about it a couple of times so far because one of the one of the big things is without getting too much into it, officially the emperor is quasi dead. The emperor's soul is alive in the warp, but his body is functionally dead. The yeah. problem is we talked about this last episode when we we talked about perpetuals in brief. If his body dies, his soul becomes completely unmourned and cast into the warp while his body would rebuild itself, while the perpetual process would start. In that time period, he will go dark. And in that time period, if he goes dark, as we've seen, as the entire galaxy saw with the Cicatrix Maledictum, which is the last time the Astronomicon, the Light of the Emperor, blinked off for a couple of seconds, caused massive yep. fucking problems. So if the Emperor dies and is unshackled from his body, there is going to be a period of days to months where there is going to be no emperor's light in the warp and the warp isn't going to be held at bay and, and the entire galaxy is going to suffer and it'll be bad, but the emperor isn't alive either. So he's not dead and he's not alive. He's quasi dead. He, he very much is half dead. Yeah, you missed it in the last uh, podcast episode, Chuck, I was falling away from the emperor's light a little bit as Ryan described how he was and what he did to my boys, the, the Thunder Warriors. Oh, you're going to be even oh. more mad soon. Oh. <laughs> you you, you, you got to understand. No, 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 no. He no. has a purpose. You can't start a conversation with the, you got to understand. <laughs> no, Dude, no. Marky, Marky is not a Machiavellian person. Marky is not a the ends justify the means mindset guy, well, which is commendable, which is commendable. Well, you know. When you're saving humanity, Chuck has drank the fucking cool. Chuck is so far into when, the cool age that he's scraping you, the sugar off the when bottom. When you get that crystallized when you, sugar, when you have chosen not to take up your purpose and let humanity suffer all those years, there comes a time when you got to draw a line and go, it's over. You're so far up the Emperor's meat rose that you're pushing his reset button. Like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Pushes dolphin jelly out. <laughs> God damn it. That, that gleam in the emperor's one real eye is actually just Chuck looking out. It's like, 
Oh my god. Okay, happen. so the Indonesian block. The Yindonesian block, I think is how I'm supposed to pronounce that, because it's a Y, not an I. The Yindonesian block. This is the last techno-barbarian state covered in great detail, and it was located in what was once Southeast Asia. As of the Horus heresy, while they are fully integrated with the Imperium, the Yindonesian block still retained a distinct regional identity on Terra. So even after they joined the Imperium and became the Imperium, people were still like, oh, you're from the Indonesian block. It's kind of that like, uh, what's a good example? When you live in the United States, if you meet somebody from Chicago or New York, you're going to know real fast because like the third or fourth thing they'll tell you is, yeah, I'm from New York or yeah, I'm from Chicago. And then they'll tell you why their pizza is best. It's that <laughs> idea. I mean, That's how the Indonesian <laughs> block is. Have you seen my khakis? <laughs> your khakis or your car keys? I'm confused. Yeah, my khakis. <laughs> <laughs> so ruled by the tyrannical ethianarch there's that word again cardinal tang during the unification wars tang wished to return the world to a pre-technological age and would burn scientists mathematicians and philosophers who opposed his church's view he needs to burn oh dude something bad happens to him so an ethianarch is essentially like a um religious zealot like a religious based tyrant I believe. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. Let's look up what, the, what an ethianarch is. So ethianarch is an old world word for ruler. Is that, is that Hitler? <laughs> no, it was some old dude. Okay. I was going to say, holy shit. Somebody much older than Hitler would have been when he <laughs> took a bullet to the brain and then let himself on fire. Yeah, that was uh, Brad Pitt's doing, right? Huh? What? <laughs> What? Was it Brad, Brad Pitt? It's doing. Oh, 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 oh. Um, I got that. Inglorious hey. Bastards. We, yeah, we come back to Inglorious Bastards a lot. That's a good movie. <laughs> it was him, Where's right? my hundred Nazi scale? Yep, that's Brad Pitt. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up Hitler because Tang imposed a genocidal policy that included forced breeding programs of so-called genetically compatible citizens of the block, as well as a eugenics program that aimed to purify the race which employed forced sterilization and the extermination of undesirables. Tang was overthrown by his own people when they learned of the Imperium's rise to power, and they imprisoned him in Nusa Kambanga. While this was an infamous penal colony at the time, Nusa Kambanga would eventually become a productive hive city. <laughs> While the former warlord attempted to hide his identity from his fellow prisoners, he was discovered just a few days later and was pretty uh, like mercilessly fucking killed. And I didn't find a lot of details on it, but there were a couple of like, I think this is what happened. I think this is what happened. And it's one of those like stabbed, hung, lit on fire, pissed on, thrown down a shaft, crushed between. I mean, he was basically imprisoned with the people that he had imprisoned for not being the pure race. So he got the Rasputin treatment. So with yes. some of the horror heresy I've read, so I know the emperor's like, he takes things from all the techno barbarians, all the technologies and different things. Is this the pre breeding program in one of the books that there's a, uh, uh, a whole regiment that it's, uh, they harvest the eggs of the female officers. They harvest the sp the, the sperm from the strongest soldiers. Probably not. So one of the things that we also last episode that we covered is there was a lot of problems with the genome 
at this point because a lot of humanity had essentially had to live in like nuclear wasteland for so long that it changed their genetic code a little bit. And for a while, a lot because they were trying, you know, humanity, the Imperium was trying to heal the human genome. They were trying to get humans back to like base human. They were trying to weed out mutation. So for a while, there were a lot of like eugenics breeding well, programs yeah, that at, were employed that's what i'm asking but they were passive yeah, they weren't oh, th- this was this, this was active eugenics this was genocide this well, was not no i get that passive eugenics like the breeding programs and all that they touch on in the book is like they harvest the eggs because they're the best officers they're the best they're basically the best built and the strongest and the smartest and the men that rise through the ranks those are the ones that, that, that they harvest from because they come the biggest and the strongest. And that's how they keep making their soldiers. Did they say how they harvested it? So I, I imagine it was well, the men medical. Would be, the, the, the women would be sterile. The men weren't. It, that book is an interesting book. <laughs> I, I bet. I think based on where the Indonesian block is and based on the descriptions of Tang, I think this is unit 731. 100% purity seal stuff for like the next five seconds or a couple of minutes as I describe what unit 731 was. So unit 731 was a specialized Japanese program in World War II that basically was what Mangala did to the Jews, but the Japanese doing it to the Chinese. Mm. And the specialized breeding programs that you have, that unit 731 ran were like seven women chained in a building that were continuously raped by his soldiers until they had kids. And then they would experiment on the kids. And I think that's more because this says forced forced. So I think the fact that he's doing forced is, is not like where I think what you're talking about is more of the, like we're um, breeding bigger and stronger. Right. And, and we're also doing it because, you know, we're medically doing, we're artificial yeah, yeah, insemination. Yeah. That was the word I was looking for. They're doing a lot of artificial insemination to kind of try to heal the genome. Gotcha. Um, this dude is very much like Tang's reign is remembered in imperial history as being one of bloody pogroms, death camps, and mass genocide. So a pogrom is a genocidal rage against a set of people usually the jewish people there's been a lot of pogroms in our history that have always been kind of against the jewish population tangs pogroms probably weren't against the jewish people it was probably against whoever he decided he didn't like that moment but tang is very much like kind of described as a southeast asian hitler oh hmm. if that makes any sense yeah 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 okay one more interesting fact from the indonesian block the Stormbird was developed in the Indonesian bloc during the Unification Wars and saw service used both against the Pan-Pacific Empire and the forces of the Emperor. While it isn't officially known, it is theorized that the Stormbird was designed specifically to combat the Emperor's forces. So this is another one of those, like, this is where the Stormbird comes from, and of course we all know now the Stormbird for its use by Space Marines. All right, so Chuck, you asked about this earlier. We'll go back to, uh, for those of you following along in the video we'll go back to our lovely oceans of terror and if you want to see it three six nine dollars on patreon gets you video access so the oceans of terra by the time of the unification wars there was only one remaining ocean on terra called the great ocean it was what was left of the pacific ocean 
most of it having been vaporized in the nuclear wars that had consumed old earth and the lost history of the age of strife. The Atlantic Ocean was a small collection of disparate seas. Most of what had once been south of the Iberian Peninsula was completely gone. The Iberian Peninsula is Spain. Oh, okay. The Mediterranean Ocean is gone, and pretty much all of the oceans south of Spain in the Atlantic are gone. But there's like these chunks. There's these little, there's a little chunk in Mercia. There's a little chunk in the middle where or Atlanta, Ad- Atlantin is, Atlantis, essentially. There's a little bit of a chunk down by Antarctica, but for the most part, there's nothing left. It, they're more what you would call seas rather than what you would call oceans. A few other bodies of water may have existed. One such was the Great Sea that is recorded to have been present in Eurasia, roughly where the Caspian Sea had once existed. So this was a sea larger than the Caspian Sea. Basically, you know, the Caspian Sea was no longer there, but there was a bigger ocean or bigger sea in that area. As we covered in our Planet Spotlight Holy Terra episode, though, by the end of the heresy, these were also mostly completely gone. At that point, there was only ice caps in Antarctica, and most of the water was either being recycled through the massive city that was the entire planet or was being brought in from comets and asteroids in the Oort cloud. Yeah, it would suck. Yeah. And I like they, they say boiled away and vaporized. So two things happen. One, you know, nukes go off, ocean is vaporized. Two, the ambient temperature of the entire planet rose to the point where like water boiled. Like ocean that's, water boiled. That's 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 crazy when they describe that. But there's still ice. Yeah. The, I, I think in the maps that we see, the ice caps are the same size as the ice caps are in classical maps. But I think, you know. Obviously, as we're seeing now with what's happening to the ice caps in 2023, there's no fucking way that if if this rampant ecological disasters happened in the age of strife, that those ice caps would be that big. They'd still have ice caps, but they're not going to be, you know, all of Antarctica is probably not covered in ice. It's probably just like the centermost chunk of it. Sort of, so to speak. Yeah. All right. So next up is the period known as the reconstruction of Terra. So this is this would be the time to be an archaeologist, <laughs> right? So under the emperor's new rulership, humanity would be restored to the heights of its intellect, spirituality, and physicality of the past. For after five thousand years of conflict, humanity on old Earth was a mere shadow of its former glory. It was not enough for him to merely unify humanity once again. To this end, even before the final victory was achieved, the emperor and those scholars and scientists he had gathered to him had started experiments with genetics. Their first task was to stabilize and restore the human genome, which had been degraded and mutated through thousands of years of nuclear and alchemical warfare. This took place alongside the design and development of the Astartes legions. Purging the human genome returned humanity to the standard human as defined as those who existed before the Age of Strife, the same humanity that the Emperor had loved and served for his extremely long life. This is probably more what you were talking about, Chuck, where they're using medical science to sure. combine and artificially inseminate, because they're essentially trying to like weed fix. out. Yeah, they're trying to they're trying to fix the fact that like, you know, kids are now born with three arms or whatever weird mutations have happened either because of the warp or because of nuclear warfare or because of biological warfare. 
you know, you've got people who probably don't breathe air anymore. They're used to 100% breathing the smog that clings to the Atlantic and Pacific basins. Yeah. After the unification wars, which ended in 712.m30, the emperor rebuilt civilization and the government on Terra, founding an all-embracing civil administration in order to rebuild the planet. He also tracked down houses of learning and education and other archives that had survived the Age of Strife. As we talked about in the Planet Spotlight episode, the Emperor also took steps to reestablish the environment and animal population of Terra, using gene stocks and ancient plant vaults to repopulate and begin to heal nature. I always thought it was really cool. Like This isn't really talked about that much because Terra in the 41st millennium is essentially Coruscant. It's one big city. But at the height, of the Imperium of Man, or the beginning of the Imperium of Man, before, you know, and during the Great Crusade, that 200-year period of the Great Crusade, Earth was healing. Yeah, he's... By the time Horus showed up, there were fucking forests and parks and water again. Yeah, there's, there's, there's again, some of the book, like one of the Horus Heresy books. So, as you're talking about all the different houses, I forget which house it probably would have been, been, but it's a place where this guy... House, I mean, house is like the dude, dude rules and the noble, the noble, the noble house, class, yeah. yeah. So yeah. he can see the Himalaya mountains from from where his Himalayan, 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 whatever. And it talks about him actually hunting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which is to 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 me neat, like reading old lore and then reading stuff in the Horus Heresy, and it's like holy shit. There's four. I'm like. What part of the planet are they actually on? Like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, that's that's always yeah. been part of it with like the new lore mixing with the older stuff. It's like, like you said, you get to see parts in the story of the planet healing. Some of this stuff, you know, because I don't use one source. Yeah, some of this stuff comes from Rogue Trader. Yeah. So the idea that there were plants during the rise of the Age of Imperium. And, and like the planet was healing is an old idea. It's not necessarily. Yeah, see, I never got to read this, yeah. read that stuff, but it's like, it's so neat. Cause you, cause stuff I've read, it's like, it's a barren rock. All the oceans are gone. Well, that that's the 41st millennium, the 41st millennium, the, the planets, I mean, yeah. it, to call it a barren rock is improper. You know, I, I think we had talked about this during the planet spotlight, Holy Terra, but think like, a city extending several hundred miles off each coast into the Atlantic basin or the Pacific basin. And then the city probably stops. And then there's probably a deep ass Canyon, but at the base of that deep ass Canyon, there's probably little towns and shit in that desert. A square meter of land on Terra costs more than Spire mansions on any other hive world. Yeah. So there's not a lot of undeveloped land on Terra. Terra is essentially Coruscant. Yeah. I mean, they don't really define it that way, but I can't see Terra and the 41st millennium not being like that. You know, it's had 10,000 years of not the age of strife. You know, the age of strife didn't rehappen. Terra has essentially just continued to build on itself for 10,000. Right. I mean, right. Yeah. Gotta be Ah, fucking Terra. (laughs) All right, Marky, we're back to your boys. Are you ready? Let's do it. You're going to be so sad. Can I take it back? Can Skip. I see, can I see what's down under? Maybe. <laughs> get it, get it, get it. Shake it. Thunder Warriors, known in High Gothic as the Legionis Katagis, the Thunder Warriors, also known as the Thunder Legion or the Thunder Regiments, were 20 legions of genetically engineered super soldiers. 
created by the emperor of mankind through alchemical augmentation, semantic gene sculpting, and muscle grafting to serve as his first template of warriors. They served him during the Unification Wars. They were a precursor to the Space Marine Legions, with each being under the command of a warrior of specific skill, intellect, and mental stability. These warriors, called Primarchs, marked out each legion, which also specialized in specific tactics or several specific strategic roles. Again, this is much like the later Space Marine Legions. So the leader of a Thunder Legion is a Primarch, and each Thunder Legion is like specific. So there was a Thunder Legion that was siege warfare. There was a Thunder Legion that was close combat. There was a Thunder Legion that was good at defense. It, you know, just pick a Space Marine Legion, what they're good at. There was a Thunder Warrior Legion that did the same thing, essentially. However, they were wrought to be living weapons, being stronger, more savage, more violent, and more resilient in combat than those same later Space Marines. But they were not as long-lived nor as mentally stable. And as they aged, they were prone to both metabolic collapse and insanity as their bodies began to reject their augmentations. A side effect of them undergoing these changes in adulthood rather than beginning them in adolescence. Yeah, they're fine. <laughs> they're Marky's boys. They, need, they needed a retirement program. It's them stunner shades, dude. Just the, the hater blockers, you gotta keep them on. Oh, he can't, can't lose him. In order to fulfill his plans, the emperor accepted that he would have to take certain actions that were immoral in order to achieve the greater good of mankind. Bullshit. He needed the people of Terra to unify behind a single dominant leader in order to begin the reconquest of the galaxy known as the Great Crusade. To cement his legend as an enlightened and invincible leader, the official record needed to reflect that he had largely won the war and unified Terra single-handedly. We're getting into that stuff that makes Marky's blood boil. On top of this, the Thunder Warriors were not the Astartes that would follow them. They had been created for the single purpose of war and were not suited to any other activities. Once the war ended, they would inevitably grow restless and pose a growing risk to the stability of the new Imperium, not to mention the mental instability and murder sprees. So as they got older their brains would start to break. And a lot of times they would just become like butcher nail aggressive and start murdering shit. And it, instead of it lasting for like decades or hundreds of years, like the word bearers, it would last for a couple of days and then their brains would explode. Basically. That's all political imperial propaganda. Oh, <laughs> that's, look at it. Look at it as that's just the emperor. Like, yeah, just, I don't, you know, they just, they just go crazy. You put, you put down that pet you've had forever that, that mauled one of your kids, but you love the, the pet. You still got to put it down because they're going to attack your kids again. This is like, this is like the, okay. The representative for the thunder warriors. Would you like to respond? So like, it, so, so like, is this a, a step child or is this like a child of my own loins? What does that matter? I'm talking. I'm, I'm sorry, it em, representative of the emperor, the, the floor was not yielded to yeah, you that, yet. That's right. Representative of the Thunder Warriors, wow. would you like to continue? <laughs> so, so the, if you really think about it, the, 
the <laughs> Earth and all the techno barbarians are really stepchildren. They're not. They didn't come from the Emperor like the Space Marines and like like the, they, they, the Thunder Warriors. The you thund- can say their name. Yeah, yeah. Those, okay. It's it's hard. <clears throat> so if get a little choked up there. Wow. If, if said. This is more like your this is more like your biological son slapping your stepchild because he got angry, right? And then and then your wife, which in this case would be I guess also the emperor. I'm already lost. Okay. Yeah, it'd be I'm already lost on this <laughs> where he's going with it. Being like, I can't believe your your kid slapped my kid. Like, well, your kid probably deserved it, right? Representative for the emperor, would you like to respond? <laughs> so again, I have lived in that situation. It has nothing to do with your situation. And, and, well, no, what this I'm is, saying is, we're speaking in generalities just, You just here. brought something up we're speaking that I could totally relate we're to. We're speaking in generalities here, and Chuck. So you can't bring your own experience your into the conversation. probably did deserve it, so there you go. <laughs> All right, so the Thunder Warriors didn't deserve to be to, to No, <laughs> they probably did deserve it. Uh, uh, that's not what you that's just what said, I Chuck. Just said. So we agree. So we agree. Thunder Warriors didn't deserve it. <laughs> so like like Ryan just described, they were a, a, a weapon designed for a purpose. Right. That are mentally unchained, if left unchecked, to, would cause problems on Terra. Who who so, said that they were mentally unstable though? The Emperor of Mankind. It is written in, in the history books that we're not supposed to talk Imperial about. Imperial propaganda. So obviously it's true. Hero propaganda. I mean, wait a minute. What are we talking about? They all died gloriously in a final battle to a man. It was very strange. Yeah. So that's the so real. Imperial they got propaganda. to die in glorious battle. Real, everything yeah. they wanted. The real imperial propaganda is they all died at Mount Ararat. Yeah. But we all know. We remember we talked about that last episode. We know. We all know that's not the case. That's not the case. Betrayal of the highest degree. <laughs> being grown adults when they received their augmentations many also had a shelf life of only a couple of decades mm. at that point their mental state would degrade and their bodies would start to reject their implants and organs expressing an insanity and horrible mutation like physical effects this was not a good look in line with the emperor's imperial truth at first the emperor simply stopped reinforcing the thunder warrior legions with new troops letting the built-in expiration date of bloody conflict take its toll. But eventually the emperor had to take more active measures. And according to Eric Tarnas, the final calling we talked about in the last episode took place right after the last battle of unity, which was the battle on Mount Ararat. So if he really wanted to, you got like ever assassins, right? Why not just, if, if you really wanted to give him a warrior's death, you lock the crazy ones up, and then you just kind of throw them at the problem. Were there ever sore assassins then? Yeah, the assassin or well, not uh, during the unification wars, yeah. but soon, mm. relatively soon so after. So for this guy being like the genius that he is, the all-knowing, all-powerful, couldn't be like, instead of killing my creation, why not put them in a box and open said box or specific scenarios that they would be able to help instead of wasting basically they were too dangerous so uh, to give he, you an idea so, so and he, we'll, chose, we'll talk. he chose to give them a warrior's death and if they didn't take it well yeah, that's what, yeah. 
<laughs> they were kind of order. Some of them died in a warrior's death, but they were they were largely order sixty six. They were still facing the enemy, and they got shot in the back. Exactly. Because, and here's the reason why: a custode can stand toe to toe with a thunder warrior. A thunder warrior could take like ten space marines easily. That's right. And we'll talk about an actual case where in lore something close to that happened. All I'm saying is that if the emperor is as badass as all these imperial well, he's not. We actually just talked about that. One of the reasons he that he had to get rid of the thunder warriors was he needed the optics of history to show that he had almost single-handedly won the unification wars. When the truth is he had 20 legions of thunder warriors at his side that he betrayed I mean, or he, did he get rid of the tool that he didn't need anymore and that's the other side of the argument he, he could have had them all lined up and popped their heads mentally essentially so. what he did oh like himself yeah no he didn't do the dirty work he sent his yeah. other his brand new shiny toy to do it what's wrong with that he sent the first legion and the custodes to deal with it the fact that you can't don't you want to use your shiny new toy in your box? Yeah, but what do you, what about your tried and true cho- toy? That's rusted. So, so not all is lost, Marky. It doesn't cut very well. Uh, no, 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 right, it doesn't right. cut that well. So, all right, hold on, hold on. So you're telling me? You're telling me that this is like rap hey, battles of history. Yeah, I, buy, I buy I buy new knives all the time. So you're telling me you're gonna take that new <laughs> Tesla and you'd be like, this is this is the new hotness. Over my 1969. First of all, I would never buy a Tesla. That's what a <laughs> custody is. <laughs> no, a, 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 a custode's more like a 72 Chevy pickup truck. <laughs> Got him. Actually, a custode's cust- like a 68 Camaro all beefed out. No, no I'd say cust- that's, the, that's the Thunder Warrior. That's what I think it is. I think it's oh Thunder so I feel like you. Know, all right. So like, I mean, it, don't think I'm gonna say that a Thunder Warrior is like a Yugo compared to a truck. Like, I'm not gonna say that. Maybe, maybe like a Roadrunner. Yeah, I, I need Kevin here because he knows. <laughs> maybe like about a Roadrunner. It's a good solid car, but it had its time. Draw a parallel. Are we really? Here. Are we sticking to the car analogy for Custodes versus Thunder Warriors? I, I, I was gonna go towards aviation. So like, the Thunder oh. Warrior is like an A10, where like the you know the. Custode is more like a, a, I don't know, what do they call like a Raptor? What is it, F-22? Maybe an F-16? Uh, probably F-22, and then, you know, Space Marines are like F-16s. I would say the Custode is the A-10. Yeah. You would say the Custode's the A-10? Yeah, Custode's the Custode A-10. is the A-10. The Thunder Warrior is the F-16 Super Hornet. I w- and, and I would take an F-4 Phantom over that because it's more durable. <laughs> so the Thunder Warrior. And and the Space Marines are the F-35 because it's a piece of shit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The F-35 is a pretty cool piece of tech. I'm just I saying. I don't understand the hate on Space Marines all the time. Uh, no, it's not hate on Space Marines. <gasps> Space Marines are first generation uh, what were Ospreys where the engines used to fall off in flight. <laughs> I'm just saying no, it's not hate towards Space Marines. I I like Space Marines. But I don't see the justification of killing off essentially the tool that got you to that location. Do you, you want to know why? They were too dangerous. He didn't want, were we talking about techno barbarian warlords? Yeah. He didn't want that anymore on Terra. He wanted to leave Terra. Right. He wanted to reunite humanity 
and that's what the Thunder Warriors were for, right? So Pac Thunder and the Thunder Warriors were fighting techno barbarians. So yeah, Pac Thunder and Space Marines are for being on ships right. going to other environments. Thunder Warriors aren't for that. Just like Chuck is saying, Thunder Warriors were designed to be techno barbarians. The, the the pinnacle of techno barbarian warlords. They were essentially designed to be on par with the the heads of the techno barbarian states. So when the techno barbarians were dead, you essentially have a bunch of techno barbarians left over, which means they can rise up and become new techno barbarians. And that's kind of how they were designed. They were designed for conquest. So in peacetime on Terra, they're going to lose their fucking minds and they're going to want to start war again because that's all they know. Astartes, on the other hand, space marines were designed to be warrior statesmen. So a good analogy, a better analogy of all of this are thunder warriors are very heavily specialized units of warfare for earth um uh, like yeah. like knight they're knights let's let's take it back to D. let's totally take it back to D. thunder warriors are barbarians space marines are paladins that makes sense so a barbarian only has a certain range of use and that range of use is almost entirely based in warfare as to where a paladin has a bunch of diplomacy and a bunch of other stuff it can do. Got me? And so why can't you pack said barbarians into a spaceship, take them to a planet that doesn't, drop them that, in doesn't a star? that doesn't need that doesn't need sealed suits or produce make better suits or produce better suits for them, put them in stasis. And then unleash them when you need them. It's an it's a tool. And that's the other side of the coin. And the other side of the coin is that the emperor needed the legend of I did this alone and to exist. And if there were people around that could be like, no, dad, we were next to you. He can know. And we, and we see this in the Horus heresy uh, because there's cases where the emperor says, I did this. And the traitor marine, the traitor legions go, no, you weren't even fucking there. It was us. And picture that. Picture what? What you're describing. Right. Blood. For the blood god running out of a case. Yeah. And what, what are berserkers? Crazed maniacs that have lost it all. Because um, I don't I don't know if you talked about it last time, but part of the whole thing with terror is you gotta be careful when you're unifying it because of all the demons popping up everywhere. There yeah, there there's there's minor demonic incursions there's not yeah. full-on de demons manifesting but there's warp power and so incursions so how everywhere. hard is it to i mean you got commissars why not have like a, a similar unit that's like hey this one's stepping out of line pop them yeah it's still a tool on your tool belt i guess is what i'm trying to get at i get what you're getting at why throw that tool away if it still could have use yeah i understand what ryan's saying though when you're yeah. saying that political I, political optics right exactly is the real reason because that screwdriver that was a flathead is no longer that, a flathead. That screw head that it's is so weird. worn out now. That flathead. And, and, and it keeps falling out that of that screw. <laughs> that Phillips that what? turned into a flathead because you used it too much. Why you got so much of a flathead, flathead? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so not all Thunder Warriors died during the call, though. Some escaped, like the Diet Tar Thunder Warriors, who were present during the Subarus insurrection of the early period of the Great Crusade. Most, however, lived out miserable and anonymous lives among the population of Terra, all honors for their past forsaken. They were always fearful that they were on the edge of discovery. 
But the double-edged sword of the Imperium's bureaucracy actually worked in their favor. For as the records said that they were all dead and gone, no one ever truly sought them out or tried to hunt them down. Most efforts, by the time that they would have been hunted down, were actually concentrated on stepping up towards the Great Crusade. So by the time somebody noticed that some vanished from the call, because you know that there's the last battle of the war. We have these decisive points in warfare where we go, okay, World War II ended here. But that wasn't really the end of the war. There were other skirmishes and other battles and other stuff that had to happen. Same thing with the, the Unification Wars. There was this final battle. There was the culling. But there was probably 10 more years of mopping up and fixing shit. And during that time, these guys just disappeared into the underhives and into wherever they could just hide out. In the final years of the Unification Wars, after the major battles had all been settled and the Imperium was mopping up the leftovers, like, we, like I just mentioned, two dozen surviving Thunder Warriors under the command of the Legionus Contigus, 4th Legion Primarch Ushitan, took part in the Imperial Palace coup unleashed by the Grand Provost Marshal Unwama Kandawar. Their goal was to hold Captain General Constan Valdor to account for the calling and die in glorious battle rather than the ravages of time which was taking him. The rebels were massacred by space marines in their first openly recognized engagement, while Primarch Ushitan was slain in personal combat by Valdor. Other surviving bands existed in hiding or escaped off-planet, although many would later be hunted down and exterminated by the First Legion Dark Angels. Another reason why I hate the Dark Angels fucking bastards dude the dark angels like i hear what you're saying but as i think i mentioned last episode i'm i have a soft spot for the dark angels that i didn't before this before starting the research for this particular yeah. series because the dark angels were literally given the worst shittiest jobs yeah, and basically a, told do this and don't talk about it and yeah, they got a soft spot all right soft spot like the top of the baby's head i just want to push in wow Kind of like a Thunder Warrior. Hey, at hey, the hey. use. My favorite headcanon is that the Thunder Warriors were all gathered on top of like full parade rest, and the Emperor was just like walking through giving a speech and backhanding him to death as he walked through. <laughs> it's not what <laughs> happened, but it's an hey. image in my and, head. And I'm allowed to say that about kids. I got kids, so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're. I don't, I don't know if you're allowed to say. I want to put. I want to kill oh dark god. angels. Cool. <laughs> like, I got you. Oh my god! So bash him on the head. I'm allowed to say that. I have dark angels. I got a friend <laughs> that has kids. I can say this. <laughs> oh my god! I fucking love it. Decades later, during the early years of the Great Crusade, a small group of surviving Thunder Warriors, calling themselves the Dite Tar were among the renegade forces of the Cerberus insurrection. In response, the Emperor dispatched the 12th Legion Warhounds, later to be known as the World Eaters, to quell the uprising and punish the rebellion. Despite their physical decline, and while being severely outnumbered by the most physically powerful of the Space Marine Legions, the Thunder Warriors slaughtered five Space Marines for every one they lost in the brutal close combat fighting. Oh, yes. They sent the world eaters against these guys for every one thunder warrior that the world eaters killed that thunder warrior had already claimed five world eater lives. That's how nasty these guys are. Oh yes. Eric 
Tarnarus survived into the 31st millennium to play a final part during the Horus Heresy. However, as a famed hero of the Battle of Mount Ararat, he had taken on many names to hide himself, including Badu Dakal. He had learned some of the Emperor's genetic techniques and had used them to try and create a Thunder Warrior army for himself. He had suspected that the Emperor may have deliberately engineered the short lifespan into the Thunder Warriors, though he personally hoped that it was just a defect, not a feature. Eventually, another Thunder Warrior, Gota, encountered a group of traitor marines known as the Outcast Dead and killed one of them. Eric was able to use the Dead Marine's gene seed to stabilize the Thunder Warrior genetics, although at this point he had already suffered too much and was considerably into the degradation himself. So he wasn't able to save himself. Uh, He was able to extend his life. He wasn't able to save himself or reverse it, but he was able to, by inference, help other Thunder Thunder Warriors stabilize. So there's a there, that would be that chance that there's still Thunder Warriors around somewhere. That's right. Which doesn't make sense. It's it's definitely a feature and not a, a defect. A there's feature, no, not a bug. <laughs> yeah, because there's no way the Emperor made a mistake. I mean, I guess he could have made a mistake. Again, it goes into the all-knowing, all-powerful Emperor when he's not that. He's not. He's not really those things. Yeah, it's and, it's and, the it's the idea of separating the Godhead from the man. Yeah, and. Well, I mean, I guess it could be argued that it could have been a, a defect because he made them in in like the haste of, I need to build an army now. I need this now. now. I need, I need, yeah. I need an army now to yeah. do this. Uh, and Arik Taranis is going to be added to our Heroes of 40K list for our patrons. If you join our Patreon, you can vote on who we will cover in what order. That's one of the, the little perks is to help us kind of decide how we cover those guys. Uh, he's definitely being added to that roster as a potential. Eric or Arik spent a lot of time with the Emperor, and he actually didn't hate the Emperor for what happened to the Thunder Warriors. He kind of understood it. He kind of had a, like an altruistic understanding of what was happening. Well, he's however, Arik learned at the side of the Emperor what the genetics were. So this wasn't like Arik stole stuff and did it on his own. But again, this kind of gets back to the point that Marky was making. If Arik could figure it out, the Emperor could have figured it out. Or if Arik did figure it out, the Emperor could have figured it out. The point is, or maybe the problem is, that the Emperor made the conscious decision not to figure it out. Right, to overlook it. Yeah. Whether that was, you know, in the foresight of, yeah, Right, like I only need them for so long. Was it planned obsolescence or was it, yeah. Yeah. At least four Thunder Warriors who survived the call spent time as gladiators in the depths of the Maw, an arena near the slums of the Outer Palace, in the palace region known as the Swath. Despite their ongoing physical degradation, they were still lightning warriors who were being kept alive by Terragate, a former astropath. He did this by harvesting the organs of other dead Thunder Warriors to replace those of the four under his care. So this dude, this Targate, the Osteropath, was running this gladiatorial ring with these four Thunder Warriors as his like big badasses. And the way that he kept his boys alive was when they killed other Thunder Warriors or when they came across dead Thunder Warriors, he would harvest the good organs and he would do surgeries to replace the organs in his four boys so they stayed at peak fighting condition which is just 
fucking horrifying if you think about it. It's absolutely like, horrifying if you think about it. I was like, oh, that's pretty dope. Frankenstein. Very grim dark. Yeah. Like little Frankensteins. Yep. One of their number, Cabe, was incapacitated in a gladiatorial battle against a chrono gladiator before being ceremoniously executed by a th- fellow Thunder Warrior. So chrono gladiators, we will probably need to touch in more detail later on. But chrono gladiators basically have their system fed with a cocktail of drugs constantly. That means that they're only not in pain. It's essentially butcher. It's a different form of butcher nails. They're only not in pain and not dying if they're killing. Um, so like a, almost because, like an adversary. Yeah. And because of that, they constantly enhance their bodies to be better and better and better at fighting. Uh, they've got a clock. If that, if they, if they're fighting and killing, their clock stops. If they're not fighting and killing, their clock ticks. When their clock dings, they die. Eversor meets, uh, I don't know if you ever watched that movie Time with Justin Timberlake. And I don't think so. Nope. And basically, time is currency. So everybody lives to be the age of 30, but you can, you buy things with time so you can die earlier because like a coffee costs like a minute or whatever. But you can also like do heists to gain more time. That that's Chrono Gladiators. Chrono huh. Gladiator like kills somebody and they can have like two hours added to their clock. Damn. Okay. Yeah. But then they can spend their time to like have their bodies massively augmented. So it becomes this like trade-off of how much do you spend to make you a better killer versus how much do you have to keep? And they never know what their clock is. Yeah. <laughs> Dying on the table. Right. So Gyrock, another of these four, became mentally unstable and was killed when he attacked another Thunder Warrior. Vezula Volt III died fighting a demonically possessed Alphan Legion heretic Astrades. He was blinded by the Legionnaire's acidic spit, and then the Legionnaire viscerated him. Karin Huruk, the last of their number, was given an honorable death after he defeated the, that same possessed Legionnaire, in effect saving a custodian's life. So this Legionnaire got loose this possessed alpha legion guy gets loose murders one of these thunder warriors then his buddy fucking defeats it kills it and in the process saves one of the custodes lives and then the custode is like well now i know you exist i have to kill you (laughs) just really fucked up (laughs) thanks for saving me bro now you get to die (laughs) so in a sense he was being a gray knight yes (laughs) yeah 100 percent it is possible that the World Eater's Space Marine and later Black Shield and Dried Har was a Thunder Warrior or another one of the Proto-Astartes who was successfully uplifted into a Space Marine. He was far larger, stronger, and quicker than other Space Marines. He was also extremely brutal and mentally unstable. And all of this despite his lack of the cranial implants known as the Butcher Nails. Malgador the Sigilite signaled him out as a special case and Har himself confirmed he fought alongside the Emperor during part of the Unification Wars. He also referred to the Diet Tar as brothers during that conflict. Yeah. So he's like, um, is it, it's not Erebus. Is it Erebus? Is Erebus the, the quasi, the half-marine? One oh, of the half-marine. He was too old to be a marine. It's not no. Erebus. It's, it's uh, that Primarch's adopted father. Him and... It's one. Yeah, it's one of the word, it's, it's one of the word bearers. It is there. Yeah, it, it's no, one of the word. I don't know. It's it a, he was in Terminator armor. The guy you're talking yeah, about, Cole, Cole yeah, Cole Roth or something. Yeah, and, it's like that dude. 
And I don't know what the new lore is with the lion that's out, but his uh the guy that almost killed him when he was a child and became his mentor yeah yeah, yeah he yeah. is also one of those one one like, like that too like yeah. proto marines or, too, or uh, half marines yeah he was like too old and so they gave him other stuff to make him big but he wasn't as big as a marine yeah like he was and then, definitely and then armor lucius? and then armor helps Wait, was that Luke? Yeah, Luke. No, not Luke. Lucius was a uh, Emperor's yeah, Children. Yeah, Emperor's Children. But no, there, that there's guy, a couple of them. We'll we'll yeah. talk about half Marines when we t- when we get into the Great Crusade. Um, so it's almost but, like uh like Primaris treatment. What is it called? Yes, the Rub- Rubicon. The Rubi- crossing the Rubicon. So yeah. Har, this Thunder Warrior, it, it, it is another one of those. So some Thunder Warriors, you know, so just based on actual organ transplants and the way that we know that organ transplants and skin grafts work. Some bodies accept the organ and you're fine. Other bodies reject the organ and you have medical problems. So this is essentially that same case taken to the umpteenth degree. So, you know, if 80%, if 75% of Thunder Warriors are going to die from organ rejection and mental instability, you're going to have 25% that are going to survive. Of that 25 surviving percentage, say that, you know, 90% of that surviving 25% probably died in battle or in the culling. So now you've got that 10% left, which is a, a very small number out of whatever your original 20 legions was. So out of that number, say 5% of those guys are able to be uplifted from Thunder Warrior into Astartes. This dude is one of those guys. So this also kind of points to the fact that there could be other Thunder Warriors who are in fact in Space Marine or were in fact in Space Marine Legions at one point or another. They were able to take, you know, they had survived it, but despite all of the odds, they had survived all the way through and the Emperor's genetic program was able to like uplift them even further into. And it kind of makes sense in, in the Horus Heresy books, there are Space Marines in almost every fucking legion that are bigger and meaner than everybody else and this would it would make sense that they're probably thunder warriors yeah like what's that one guy the red tide or something like that from right. the uh uh Carcharidons? yep i don't yep. think that guy's a thunder warrior but I mean, no he's i mean he could be i don't know you, you, you never know and that's the thing they you know tinfoil hat <laughs> we have to come up with a na- a segment for when we talk tinfoil hat conspiracy theory uh 40k conspiracy theories but 40k conspiracy theory there there's a marine space marine that was like floating around in his armor for 10,000 years because he was like blown out an airlock early in some combat in the Horus heresy or in the great crusade and you know they thought him out in the 41st millennium because they space marines have that thing where their body like shuts down until they're saved and they like thought him out in the 41st and he was like what the fuck is going on so you know could that have happened to some thunder warriors or or as marky it's put up with his idea for making a Thunder Warrior army. Did a group of them go missing in the webway and they're not being influenced by real time? So for them, they pop back out in the 41st millennium, but it's only been like five years. You know, was Air was Arik That's... able to disseminate his gene therapy to a lot more than we realize? And there's actually Thunder Warriors who have just been alive on Terra for 10,000 years. You know, there's all sorts of it's the 40k universe you can do whatever the fuck you want realistically i like that webway one or trapped yeah. in the warp because they would come out and be loyal to the imperium yeah yeah not possibly un- unknowing possibly oh no it depends 
They no, would it depends. The right, what if they got the sucked right. into the webway after Mount Ararat? Ararat. Uh, nah, nah, nah. They would be they'd be found by the right chapter though. It'd have to be the right. The Dark loyalist. Angels. Oh, the Dark Angels. <laughs> yeah. Easy. Yeah, who are hunting oh, them down no, to Mark. kill them? Easy. <laughs> it's done. We solved it. Yeah. <laughs> it writes itself, boys. It, it, oh, uh, no, with 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 how dirty <clears throat> with how dirty they got done, they would not be loyal to the Imperium. I don't think. No, because the way the Lord, it was the, the way the history books would read, they'd be like, "Oh my God, I wish I would have been there with our brothers." But okay, uh, you know salamanders we'll be salamanders now sally us up we're like the your your special guard for your chapter master yeah yeah that's another way to do it you could do like um you could make you know something that, that's equivalent to stern guard from ultramarines oh i mean i was just gonna make them custodes they yeah, were essentially gonna be you. a custodes army from a power level that makes sense it it have to be like like you're talking about it have to be the right loyalist legion right. that would be like who the chapter masters would know the actual lore or the actual history and be like, it'd be alpha legion. Uh, <laughs> alpha legion would find him. <laughs> oh man. It had to be like salamanders. No, nah, I, I think it'd be dark angels just because that's ironic. Well, and dark angels are probably but the inner still... circle would know. And, and we're, we're kind of getting this stuff now. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, yeah. we're not, we're probably not going to cover dark angels lore for a bit, but we're, you know, Dark Angels lore. All all Warhammer 40k is ever evolving, but some Dark Angels lore stuff is evolving as of really our quick. as of the recording. Um, that hints at the fact that the Dark Angels may have been following secret orders the entire time. So all of their like, oh, they're heretics, isn't really oh, they're heretics. It's they they are following. I think we said this last episode too. The Alpha Legion and the Dark Angels. You know, the the one loyalist faction that's a little wishy washy, and the one heretic faction that's a little wishy washy both act like they're following orders from 30k and that's why everybody thinks that they're disloyal to the side that they're on because they're not acting like 40k armies they're acting like 30k armies which makes everybody uncomfortable <laughs> and that that would be it the dark angels are you know maybe they still have an edict that says if you come across a thunder warrior kill it or maybe they have an edict where they know Maybe oh, they've got a book can, of of grudges, essentially. They can fucking try. That's just yeah. That's just all Thunder Warriors. It's every Thunder Warrior, every named, and whenever they kill one, and they genetically mark him off the the book of grudges. Oh, they kill that's him. that's like the the book that the Great Knights have when they write the demon names in it. Exactly. Sorry, my Thunder Warriors got a book. Maybe the Grey Knights are the Thunder Warriors. <laughs> Nah, because they're conspiracy not all conspiracy within uh, conspiracy. They're not all psychically powered. <laughs> I know. Least... I know. Most of the Thunder Warriors weren't actually. Yeah. You know, obviously, every once in a while, it's going to happen, but they weren't designed to be. So. Right. Yeah. Like you said, they're techno barbarians in power armor. Speaking yeah. of barbarians in power armor, the war gear of the Thunder Warriors, the first armor created for and used by the Thunder Warriors, and the first true Space Marine armor was the Mark I Thunder Power Armor, although this name was assigned by the Mechanicum at a later date. The armor was simply called Power Armor during the time it was in use. So the Mechanicum, I believe, named all of the marks in like the 32nd or 33rd... No, they did it during the Crusade. Because during the Crusade, the marks changed a lot, so they had to start assigning yep. numbers to them. So it was designed... 
off the power armor favored by many of the techno-barbarian tribes at the time. In a lot of ways, it was indistinguishable from the armor used by all sides in the Unification Wars. This armor was designed for use in terrestrial environments and was not sealed from the elements or from vacuum. Think of when I say it's indistinguishable from the armor used on all sides, it's a little bit more like full plate knight armor. It, obviously, you can tell if you're super educated, you can tell, oh, that's Germanic full plate. Oh, that's French full plate. And there's definitely slight Bronk. different variances in medieval armor styles. Yeah, Franck. But if you really, if you look at it from like a kid going to Ren Fair, it's all full plate. <laughs> like if that makes any sense. Again, if we look at it from a Dungeons and Dragons core rule book, all full plate has the same stats. The style might change, but all full plate has the same stats. That's kind of Mark One power armor. Mm. Only the upper torso of Mark One is powered, most likely due to how difficult it was to make ranged weapons during the Unification Wars. So upper body strength was the wearer's best asset. Its name comes from the thunderbolt and lightning symbol called the Raptor Imperialis, which was the icon of the emperor used during the Unification Wars, before he adopted the double-headed eagle known as the Aquila during the Great Crusade. There was no standard pattern, so this symbol is what links all of these armor suits together. So the way that you can tell a Mark I Thunder Warrior power armor, I'm sorry, a Mark I Thunder power armor suit from just a Techno-Barbarian suit is all of the lightning bolt motifs. The Techno-Barbarian power armor generally had whatever their iconography was. Probably just skulls. Yeah, yeah. Or, or nothing. Or it was just basic power armor. It's the difference between finding a painted vault suit are they called vault suit? Vault tech suit? <laughs> you know, the, the Nuka-Cola yeah, painted vault. What, yeah, power suit. You know, the Nuka-Cola branded power armor suit. And then just finding like the pieces of the rusted one <laughs> out in the wasteland. The point of all of that was there was no standard pattern. So the symbol is what links all of the suits of Mark I that were Thunder Warrior armor together. Mark I was made locally and often their exact design could be tailored to the personal tastes of the warrior and their needs. However, they all featured the powered upper torso with heavy cabling to the chest and arms linked to the power pack worn on the back. This greatly enhances the wearer's physicality and upper body strength. So a lot of the reasons for the power armor initially was not everybody has guns. We don't have enough guns to go around. You're going to have to put a cleaver through a tank. So, so even with that, like, uh, like even the photo you have, it looks like a big bolter. Mm -hmm. when when did the 75 caliber round come about like in this time era we'll we'll get there here in a couple of seconds actually leave me always sneaking ahead <laughs> it's a good question because i had it too as i was like i i get and, th and this kind of comes back to that why is there melee in 40k it comes back to this idea that the age of strife you know that the unification wars happened at the age of strife and the age of strife just ate resources so yeah. Whether or not it was technological stockpiles that already exist or raw materials that you would use to produce new weapons, there weren't a lot of guns, but that'd there were enough a, uh, to be a problem. That'd be more of a luxury. Right, right. I have a rich army. I can get more of them. Yeah. Or I have a couple of tanks or I have a couple of dreadnoughts and then your armor, your army, not armor, your army needs to be able to go toe to toe with a dreadnought 
with an axe and probably an unpowered axe. We're probably not even talking about a chain axe. We're probably talking about just an axe. And that's why the power armor, the Mark one power armor was so focused on upper body enhancement because now you got to punch a dude who's in a, a suit like yours, or you've got to throw a guy or whatever. There was no power to the legs of this armor and they were often enclosed in toughened padded breeches or armored steel plates. The best equipped of warriors had armored greaves and armored boots as well, but this was far from common. Mark one thunder power armor was also noticeably noisier than any of the later models, making stealth operations nearly impossible. This is actually where that like you can't sneak in power armor kind of meme knowledge comes from, meme lore comes from. Yeah. Mark one power armor, because the legs weren't powered, every time you move, it's just clash, 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 like full plate armor. It's you're, There's nothing dampening that noise. In the earliest days before the Imperium had developed their Ceramite power armor, this is another advantage that the Mark I power armor had over normal power armor, Thunder Warriors had worn basically full plate medieval style armor. This was just gauge steel plate over padding all held together with leather straps. During this time, they had wielded an early version of the Laz rifle carried by the Astra Militarum in the 41st millennium. This Laz rifle was so close to the current Laz rifle that a guardsman wouldn't even necessarily think it was old or ancient. They would just think it was a different pattern. But it's just a super ancient design. Later on, they were equipped with the larger archaic version of what would become the pattern of what the Astartes Bolter is based on. So they started to use an early proto-Bolter. This is when the entire Bolter comes from this time period. The bolter's general function hasn't really changed. It's just become more efficient, shoots larger that's, rounds, stuff like that. So that's that's all I'm wondering. Like, did they have a 50 caliber? Was it 75? It doesn't state. It yeah. was probably close to what it from what it sounds like, it was probably larger than current because the other reason for the uppered armor torso was to compensate for the recoil for the bolter. Oh, so it is. probably was firing a solid slug, not a mini rocket, and it was probably a pretty big round because Thunder Warriors were pretty big guys. Enough enough to go through somebody else's plate armor. Yeah, so probably like a 9.8 caliber solid round because you, you got to remember, bolters are actually rocket-propelled grenades, essentially. That's what they fire. There, sh there could be comparatively little recoil in a weapon like that. Because the majority of the projectile is coming from the secondary ignition. The yeah. But Thunder Warriors didn't get that. They got to fire that big old solid slug. Gotta love it. Makes me want to print up a Thunder Warrior army already. You got I those prints I found? You got I those do. prints I found? I do. <laughs> just might do it, man. Just might do it. Hells yeah, man. At least a kill team, dude. That'd be dope. Yeah, I gotta get Matt's uh, custodes army to do the scale properly. I'm assuming they're scaled. I think they're pretty scaled. Well. Yeah, I think they're scaled. Maybe I want to make them a little bigger. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the weirdest thing that I've been encountering they're is bigger, a lot. They're bigger than a Marine. They're shorter than a custode. Yeah, they're well, mine about, are going to be bigger. They're oh about God. the same size. They've been in the warp too long. As a custode, I think. I mean, I think but you're right. I think they are a little shorter than a custode, but I think it's kind of like, aren't you a little short to be a stormtrooper? Short. I don't think it's like a foot shorter. 
that makes any sense. I don't know. There's a scale I've seen before, like comparing everybody's all, heights, and I'm like, all of the pictorial, all of the pictorial scale pictures comparing heights are based on people guessing on what's yeah, written in yeah. the novels. I don't think any of that. I don't think Games Workshop has ever clarified the difference, and and even. You know, depending on the Black Library book, they'll describe Space Marines as eight feet tall to ten feet tall, and then they describe Primaris as being much larger, much taller, or at least a foot taller or whatever. But then they'll say that Primaris Marines are between nine foot tall and ten foot tall, and I'm like, but you have normal Space Marines that are supposed to be ten foot tall. So where is your scale? I don't think there's a scale. I think they're just bigger than humans. <laughs> they want you to be. They they want you to just picture them being big. Yeah. So. Just for, for my knowledge, uh, Ryan, and maybe you didn't do any research on, on this particular thing, but the Thunder Warriors, the colors that they used, was it specific to like the legions of space marines? Like yep. I saw that you had one that had like ultramarine colors and uh, iconography. So, that, so that's that's an early so one of the pictures that I have brought up, listeners, is an early picture of a Warhound. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Thunder Warriors had different, yeah, Legion colors. Stereotypically, they were the kind of Ultramarines coloration, though. And a lot of that goes back to like, that goes back to a game mechanics thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the early Space Marines were not Astartes. They were just dudes in power armor. And the early Space Marines from Rogue Trader were all blue. Or no, they weren't all blue. There were like six different colors that you could paint them in. So if you were looking for like, what were the Thunder Warriors originally? If you go back to that old Rogue Trader page and you look up those original colors, that would like be, in my mind, the original colors. Primary but I would colors. also guess, sorry, Chuck, what'd you say? It's the primary colors. Yeah, point. I think this is the image you're talking about, Chuck. Yeah, that's it's a little it weird. It, it, that, that, that can't be right because if you look at it. The humans are the same size as the Stardis. Yeah, that's 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 not right. The way the way like I interpret it when I read the books is you have a human and they're they're always looking up to a marine. Right, right. And it's and it's about a head taller. So if you're talking somebody six foot tall, you're talking about somebody that's, you know, seven or eight feet tall. Primaries are not the same size as custodes. No. They're they're not they're not supposed to be. Like I, all love, that the, keeps, I love the shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> See the emperor in the emperor in the novels and stuff I've read, he's not that huge. Yeah, he's like not. He's he's bigger. He's supposed to be bigger. The famous painting of the emperor facing down Horus, he's really not that big. Almost no. the same size as Horus. Yeah, Marky. Based on based on the inferences of how the twenty Thunder Legions were essentially assigned the fact that their leaders were called primarchs the fact that they had specialized tactics and all that i would say pretty safe to assume that they were space marine legion colors original space marine legion colors they obviously wouldn't be modern coloration um i've always seen thunder warriors in my head and this is in this is because at one point believe it or not listeners custodes didn't exist other than words in book there were there were you know a couple of of john blanche art pieces and all of john blanche's art pieces kind of have that same yellow red tone (laughs) but in my mind you know thunder warriors always kind of had like gold armor yeah 
Yeah, like gladiators, uh, like essentially. Gold, gold, like and gold red. red armor. Yeah. There's a there's a relatively famous John Blanche painting of a Thunder Warrior. I, I actually think it's a techno barbarian, but they're wearing Mark I armor and it's very gladiatorial. Everything's gold. There's lots of red highlights. There's like a lion face on the chest plate. There's a big red hair crest. That's yeah. kind of how I've always seen Thunder Warriors in my I don't, head. I don't know what color I would do. I would assume I'd do like a ragtag, almost like my Death Watch, where you know there's different legion or well, different chapters of Space Marines in there. So there'd be di- my mine would be like a ragtag group of essentially leftover uh, Thunder Warriors. Thunder Warriors. But I don't know if I'd want to make them all different colors. I don't know if I'd want to make it like, uh, you know, oh, they they renounced their, you know, their loyalty from the emperor. And now they painted their armor black. But I'm not I don't want to do another black army. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could do something cool. I, I actually really like there's a picture I've seen a couple of times that's a. Thunder Warrior in very archaic looking armor and it's all painted blue, but he's got the one red shoulder pad and he's got the Thunder Warrior Legion symbol, the eagle with the crossed bolts in it. Yeah. And I really like that. It doesn't look quite ultra. It's not quite ultramarine. It's almost more of like an alpha Legion, I guess, blue. If Does Ceramite have a color? I don't. I think Ceramite gray. is just like, yeah, it's like, like ceramic white gray. So, so if you were to do something like that, last photo, you get those shiny metallics like turbo dorks. That's kind of what I was thinking. Exactly. Like they, they essentially like strip the paint from their armor and now they're just like a gray silver. Oh, that'd be neat. That'd be cool. Yeah. Mirrored looking. Oh, but, chrome. Oh, what if I made them chrome, dude? And that, that other photo with the Emperor and Horus, if you notice if the Emperor was to stand straight. Yeah, he, they're the same. Up. They're they're about the same height. Yeah, yeah. The, but Horus also is enlarged in this yeah. picture. The top of the emperor's head basically comes to like Horus's eye line if you put them on the same plane. However, the Look emperor how small Sanguinius is though <laughs> a, a normal Primarch. Yeah, the emperor is in standard armor, like standard power armor. Horus is in Terminator Primarch armor. Terminator armor. Yeah. So he's a little so, bit taller because of the armor that he's in. And then he's em- also empowered by chaos. Yeah. See now, And that's the other thing I think people forget too, when they put the power armor on, like the things I've read, it's like, you know, a space Marine, like we were talking, you know, eight foot yeah, tall, they get say, right. right. You put power armor on. Well, now all of a sudden with your helmet and your yep. boots, you're, you're nine feet tall. tall. Yeah. yeah. Power and Terminator armor, you're 10 feet tall. Right. But it's like everything. Like we were talking about earlier about the Thunder Warriors and how your body takes it. Some Marines maybe get bigger. Yeah. It's in the it's in the in the one Death Watch which God, I need to find it so you can read it. You talk about an Imperial Fist that he's told by the tech marines of the fist, you have to stop working out. Like he's not <laughs> he's short for a marine, mm-hmm. but he's broad yeah like he's pushed the limits of his armor for as big as they can get it to to expand that's hilarious dude yeah stop working out <laughs> stop working out you're too big <laughs> what's the fucking thing in game of thrones when the uh robert baratheon can't put on his breastplate oh yell at, yeah yell at the kid to go get the breastplate stretcher and the kid yeah. like leaves and they start laughing because that's not a thing that exists 
I don't know. I realize that's not that, but I mean, it is this, this, yeah, dude, that's, you're too yeah. fat for your armor. Stop eating. Um, the other thing to keep in mind with the emperor, and we'll get into this in our next little series here, which we'll, we'll tease in a second, which is all going to be about the emperor and the primarchs is the emperor existed in old the earth world. history the as world, a yep. normal human for thousands of years. So the emperor had to pass for possibly a really tall person, but not, I mean, like think about how we track people who are really tall. Like I can name like four or five people, Andre, the giant Yao Ming, uh, that, that dude that was 12 foot tall, Shaquille O'Neal, like tall people stand out in society. So the emperor would stand out. And if the emperor was trying not to stand out, the emperor would probably not be a 10 foot tall dude with glowing eyes. He'd probably be like an eight and a half foot tall guy. Uh, probably like six, nine early on. Yeah. Seven well, that's foot the other tall. Thing. Did the emperor start like suppress himself did, or did the emperor start fucking with his own genetics when he started fucking with everybody else's genetics? Uh, probably. Is, do we not know about that? Or does it matter? You know, if you're six foot nine and you can regrow from just your pinky nail, do you need to be 10 feet tall? Probably not. You know, you don't need a second heart. You don't need a second set of lungs. You don't need this. You don't need that. Cause you're essentially a magical boy. Do you need like, you know what I mean? Do you need all of this like height and excess? So the emperor could have been just a little bit taller than an average man. And everything in propaganda and artwork and everything has just made him bigger. Yeah. What do they call them? Like tall stories or something like that? Tall, 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 tall tales. Tall tales. Yeah. Tall tales. Yeah. Big fish. Big fish. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that wraps it up for our coverage on the Unification Wars and sets up a lot of the foundation for what's to come next. As I just teased a couple of seconds ago, we will be taking a deeper look at the Emperor himself and his genetic science and then the creation of the Primarchs over our next few official episodes before we jump into an overview of the Great Crusade. However, for those of you into the spooky dookies, we will be back next week with an episode all about the Isle of Dolls and creepy, creepy. doll stories from the real world. And then, of course, creepy. how you can work that real world folklore into your creative writing for science fiction and fantasy. Want to get into contact with us about the show or ask us about a bit of lore that you feel we missed out? Or maybe you want to share your own short stories, homebrew lore, and spooky dookies. You can reach out to us by email at underthehiveofmadness at gmail.com or jimdarkgaming at gmail.com. As well as you can reach out to us on our community Discord. Uh, there we chat about 40k lore, the hobby, tactics, plus Age of Sigmar, Warhammer Fanny, Fantasy Battles. Fanny uh, Battles? Fan, 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 you can talk about Warhammer Fanny wow. Battles. That's the extra <laughs> channel. That's my new favorite type. Oh, those, those fanny battles. Good old fanny battles. Plus Age of Sigmar, Warhammer Fantasy Battles, creative writing, video games, role-playing, and so much more. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and or at underthehiveofmadness.com. Uh, give us a like, review us wherever you get your podcast fix. Our home is on Spotify, but you can find us on Apple, Google, Audible, Stitcher, and many more. You can also support us through Patreon at www.patreon.com slash underthehiveofmadness. 
Patreon members get access to a video podcast with minimal editing so you can see our faces, follow along with what we're looking at on screen, and hear our bloopers in real time. Plus, every once in a while, I have to look up a pronunciation guide for these old fucking Latin words, and then you get to watch me struggle. (laughs) All Patreon levels also get access to our quarterly painting contest, plus we have perks at higher levels, so go on over and check it out. Bob's Barbecue Basement Basket, home of the nuclear Dimacaron 12-wing challenge. Think you can best it? That's what the last guy said, and he drank up half the sump. Want to take on all that heat? A basket only sets you back four creds. Consistently bringing the thundering sound of truth to the hive, whether the administratum's propagandists like it or not, we are 665.66UHMR Camrat Radio, reminding all of you Camrats, hive mice, and sump ghoulies, to keep those dials fixed right here. Same ratty frequency for a dose of the same ratty ass attitude. We'd also like to give a shout out to our patrons. I'm going to start us off with our newest patron, the good old Andrew Q. Thank you very much. We'll follow it up with Hal Firm E, one of our overseas patrons. We appreciate you. Nathan P. Thank you. Good old barcode. Thank Scanning you. <laughs> Coming in hot. Good old barcode. Tom B. Thank you for being here. Jackie Wilsonos. Wilsonius. <laughs> Wilsonius. <laughs> and you got to love them, Thorfinn. Bringing in those punk rock roots, it's Robert S. And of course, semi serious, pushing my glasses up, nerd. <laughs> and our good old Red Squig champ himself, Big Mullins. My tyrannid brother, who I haven't met from another mother, Patrick P. My favorite uh, explorer digging stuff all, all the time, Chuck! And my boy, Minion Coffin. One of our moderators, and we're super happy to have him, the Bear Max. And the one, and the only, Ickbar. That icky, icky bard. Sticky, icky, icky! Thank you all. We appreciate your support. Very much, dude. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone. Its six eyes have been watching me for hours now. Sometimes I catch a glimpse of its forearmed reflection on my picked screen, but I dare not turn around. <laughs>